Hello, feely humans. Welcome to another episode of You, Me, Empathy. My name is Known Wells. I am the creator of this podcast. I'm also the founder of the Feely Human Collective, where we together grow and grapple with the superpowers of empathy, vulnerability, and emotional curiosity. More on Feely Human in just a bit. Some updates coming for you. But uh, I just wanted to put the disclaimer out there that I am not a mental health professional. I am not a therapist. I am a silly boy with big feelings, a big heart. And uh, once, not once, for a long period of time, I wore suspenders in the 7th and 8th grade. I thought I was punk rock. Um I was not. I was listening to a lot of punk rock. I was going to a lot of punk rock shows and in punk rock mosh pits. But uh, I don't know if I was punk rock. Um, who else wore suspenders in, in sort of like a punk rockish way? Um, maybe it wasn't punk rock. Maybe it was more like um, ska. Remember that? Ska? Any hoozles. Not a mental health professional. So um, that's the disclaimer. Uh, this episode is episode 238 with uh, Becca Ree Tucker. Uh, Becca is the creator of The Sweet Feminist on Instagram, at The Sweet Feminist. Give Becca a follow. And uh, Becca has a new book out, a new cookbook called Baking by Feel. Um, and it's beautiful and it's amazing. And I can't wait to start baking again. Um, and the book is is about baking as a way to process feelings. And um, each recipe is connected to a specific feeling. And it's really inventive. It's really creative and fun. And I, I, I just love it so much. It's called Baking by Feel. We talk a lot about that in this episode. We also talk about Becca's connection to abortion activism and changing the way we talk about abortion, destigmatizing it, reducing shame around it, helping others feel less alone. Abortion access is being challenged in the United States right now and um, a great place to go to learn more about it is uh, INeedAnAbortion.com. It's actually INeed ana.com now i need ana.com and that's linked in the show notes at feelyhuman.co as well so we talk about that we also talk about uh, becca's baking origins we talk about uh, her her being born into like right after her father died and being born into grief and sadness and what that how that impacted her and uh, all sorts of lovely stuff i love this conversation I love Becca. I, I cherish what she does in the world and 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 the baking and in the destigmatizing abortion access and care. Uh, really loved this conversation. I hope you love it too. Before we get to it though, just a few things going on with me. If you follow me on Instagram at Yumi Empathy, you'll know that I've been struggling with my mental health. I have depression, major depressive disorder. And um, I've lived for many years with pretty frequent suicidal ideation, and um, that is hard, and it weighs on me <laughs> from time to time. And there are days where it's just it just feels like a lot. And I just want to say to you that if you're feeling that way, you're not alone in that feeling. Um, there are there is support out there. Um, lean on people who see you and love you for who you are, 
who can be empathetic and vulnerable with you and share space with you and listen and be a mirror for you. Um, And I hope that this podcast is a little bit of that too for you because I I want you to stay and I, I want to stay even though sometimes it feels like I don't. So this is something I wrote on Instagram. It's just a quick little thing. It says, I'm not okay and that's okay. My heart is heavy. My hope is steady. So many reasons to stay. And one of those is today, the day that I'm not okay. So I wanted to share that with you. I love you. You're not alone. Truly, 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 I love you. The other thing I wanted to share is, um, uh, as some of you know, um, Feely Human is going through some changes. It's it's just me at the helm of that Feely ship. And it's 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 a lot sometimes. And I, I, I'm trying to kind of... <sighs> be more succinct with it, be clear uh, with my intentions with it, create better boundaries around it and not burn out in this in this feely place. And, and so one of the things I'm doing is I've been building a membership community that will be launching in January. And I'm really excited about it. I hope you're excited too. Um, but in the meantime, if you want to like stay connected to that, uh, just give um, uh, subscribe to the newsletter which is at the uh, in the header at feelyhuman.co. Just go to, the, go to the website, subscribe to the newsletter. Also give um, us a follow on Instagram at feelyhuman if you want to connect and stay in touch there. And uh, that's it. That's all I'll say. Um, please order. Go pick up Becca's cookbook, Baking by Feel, authors, independent authors, all authors. Uh, writers need our support and uh, go to bookshop.org is a great resource go to your local bookshop baking by feel it's lovely it's amazing as is becca and i hope you enjoy this episode of yumi empathy enjoy Welcome to You, Me, Empathy, the official podcast of the Feely Human Collective. On this show, we explore the struggles, the triumphs, the brights, and the darks we face as humans trying to be human on this wondrous and overwhelming pale blue dot. You, Me, Empathy was created so that we can be witness to our collective humanity through the lens of empathy, vulnerability, and emotional curiosity. We aim to destigmatize mental health lead fiercely with our hearts, feel our feelings without shame and judgment, and share our courageous stories so that others may feel less alone and more connected as feely humans. Yumi Empathy is a brave place designed to inspire the beauty in each of us, because each of us, in all of our kaleidoscopic parts, makes up a magical whole that deserves to be seen. Today, I'm podcasting by feel to be here with artists, Otis Rescuer, Patriarchy Dismantler, Pie Baker, and author of the new book, Baking by Feel, 
It's Becca Ray Tucker. Hello, Becca. Hi, I'm so excited to be here with you today. I think that was the best bio of me that I've ever heard. I mean, you got to get the, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> we contain multitudes. We're all different. You know, our identities are all different types of things. I've been thinking more about the identity thing lately because, you know, we get stuck in stuff like yep. Becca's the sweet feminist person. And right. that's how we see you. And you are that person. And you're so much more. You love dogs, which warms my heart. Um, <laughs> Otis well, is my first dog. so this It is your first dog. Oh, my is, gosh. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to get into that uh, <laughs> very deeply. But, uh, Becca, before we get into it, we always kick off with an emotional check-in. How are you feeling? Like, really, really? Yeah. Today, I am feeling excited. Um a little bit vulnerable and I I'm feeling pretty open to possibility. Um, mm. today I am making apple cider caramels today, which is one of my favorite things to do in the fall to sort of, you know, ground me in the season. Um, I love the process. I love the taste. Um, and so I am excited about doing that today. I love that. I just, just straight up a fan of the fall over here. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I I live in Southern California. I know you're in Texas. You know, it's I am been in Texas so now, hot. so the fall is a totally different thing here. I'm from the right. Midwest. I lived in D.C. for many years, right? Um, and so this is my second fall in Texas, and it does not get less hot until November. So oh it's, gosh, I'm tricking myself. You know, inside my house it's fall, <laughs> but outside it's yes, definitely you got not. the AC blasting, so you can put that oven on. Yes, I do. I get it. Yes, <laughs> I know. I I've been. The last couple of nights, I've been making like uh, roasted vegetable dishes for dinner mm-hmm. and stuff. I just like, I just want to roast. I want to roast. Yeah. I want to like drink my peppermint tea. I get it. Put on a blankie. Yep. Food yes. sets the mood for the season for sure. It really does. How, do you, when did, when did the food thing start for you? Cause like I, I have like, I think about food, you know, it's such a, it's, you know, we all need to eat food. We're nourished yep. by it. It's, it's, it's a thing. I, you don't know this about me, Becca, but I went a decade where food was not a thing where I struggled with anorexia and that was weird and hard and uncomfortable and all the things. And also food has nostalgic connections for people and it has connections to tradition and culture and family and stuff. So I'm curious for you, like, where does that food connection, origin, love, peace start? Yeah. So my earliest memory of, I I think food in general, definitely baking is making chocolate chip cookies with my grandma in her kitchen. Mm. Um Her name is Jane and she, you know, baked as long as I can remember. Um, And I really remember like the process of doing that with her. And I'm sitting up on her counters and she's like, here, lick this beater. Um, Yes. And I just, I I can still taste the like grittiness of the cookie dough from that beater. Uh Um, So it's definitely a formative uh, memory for me. Um, Mm. But then after that, you know, I, I'm a self-taught baker. So I, I started cooking um, just on my own. Um, there wasn't like a ton of cooking that happened in my house um, mm-hmm. when I was growing up. So it was just a lot of me experimenting. Um, 
And then I, I started really cooking more in college. I lived in this um, food house where you would be responsible with another person for cooking dinner one night a week. And then there'd be food that someone else made every other night. Oh, um, so I was around all these, you know, there was varying levels of skills, but there were some really incredible um, cooks and bakers in that house. And uh, with like 15 people living in the house, there were tons of birthdays. So there mm. was tons of birthday cakes. <laughs> and so a couple of yes. my friends there, I really learned about cakes from them um, mm. and these really incredible flavor combinations. Um, and so then food just, be, you know, was part of my personal life. Like I loved cooking for people. I loved sharing my food with people, um, but wasn't part of my professional life until um, I think I was like 23 or 24. And I started working for um, a bean to bar chocolate company. Oh, okay. um, and in what capacity as a baker? No, I was the business manager. It was oh. the chocolatier, Ishmael, who's an incredible chocolatier. And then me, you know, how do we get ourselves into grocery stores and that kind of thing? Um, but I learned a lot about flavor from him, how mm. to taste flavor, um, because he would be like, okay, like taste this piece of chocolate. First, do you taste the nutmeg? And then is there a little bit of cayenne at the end? Um, mm. And I learned mm -hmm. to taste that way. Um, I'm sorry, that was Otis. <laughs> it's okay. Um, and after that, I worked at a bakery, um, the best one in DC, I would say, Baked and Wired. Um, also not in a baking capacity, um, but just learning about the food world mm. um, and what it's like to be in that world, which was really fun um, and interesting for me. Just hold on one second. <laughs> Otis. No. <laughs> okay. Um, he is a puppy. He's well, he's one. So we have a one year old. We understand. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. So you understand. Um, so I worked at that bakery. Um, and then I got laid off in early 2020, like many people. Um, mm. and I had to figure out what I was going to do on my own. Um, and so I started working on a cookbook idea that, um, went through a lot of changes. Um, the original idea is not, um, what I ended up with. Um, it's usually not. Yeah. But yeah. that's sort of my trajectory in the food mm. world. I would say it started in my personal life and then slowly, you know, got in my professional life. Um, yeah. I, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. It, it paints a picture. Um, I, I'm intrigued by this idea this human capacity we have for discerning taste and like figuring out that piece. And, yeah. you know, it's connected to senses and things like that. Like I, I, I liken myself to be someone who can do that and it's hard. Yeah. It's like a tough thing to learn. And I think because this is what I do, I connect everything to empathy. <laughs> I think just like empathy, where empathy is a big, empathy is about nuance, right? Empathy is about understanding where we're coming from and our biases and assumptions and, and listening and being curious, right? And softening and pausing. I'd imagine there's some of that in being curious about taste and senses, right? Like, because yes. it's not... You know, we live in a world, we live in cap fucking capitalism, right? And it's it's like, go, 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 go. Whereas, like, if you want to, like, 
pause and like understand what this tastes like or what, you know, uh, if I'm smelling coffee or what whatnot, you, ha- you have to slow down. You have you to do. pause. You have to like yes. really be in tune with your body, I guess. Yes. It brings you into the present moment um, in mm-hmm. a way that I find really um, beautiful. You're using all of your senses, really. You're, you're smelling, you're seeing what it looks like, you're tasting it. Um, and with baking, like I, I even like use my ears, like I can tell when butter is done browning by the way it sounds. Um, oh my goodness. So it's a very what does it sound like? It stops um, like hissing. It stops um, okay. bubbling yeah. and that's when you know it's finished. That's Because you can't always tell because there's like a layer of foam on the top. It's hard to see. So it's uh-huh. actually easier to do. Um, With your ears. Sound. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Superpowers. That's beautiful. I think that's really special. I So here's the thought. You getting, you sort of immersed in this food world, right? You're on your food journey. You, 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 you know, you lick the, 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 the batter from your, your, from Jane? Jane, yeah. Jane? Mm-hmm. You have this food house in college. You, you work these jobs. How is the sort of, you know, as you sort of get used to paying attention to food, slowing down, listening, using your senses. How is that connected to your ability to um, be mindful? Um, How is that connected to your mental health, Um, those pieces? Because I'd imagine there's there's some impact there. Of course, yeah. So I I like to use um, baking as a way to process feelings. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people do that. and I find it easier to process um, things or, you know, to sit with my feelings, to actually be with my feelings instead of intellectualize my feelings if I'm doing something um, tactile. Um, and I, I discovered that, I guess, um, because in the past couple of years, I had the opportunity to go to therapy for the first time. Oh, um, congratulations. Was, thank you. Really <laughs> incredible for me. Um, and since I was laid off from my job, I had a lot of time. So I was able to devote, you know, more time and energy towards that than mm-hmm. um, I would have otherwise. Um, and in some conversations with my therapist, she had told me, you know, like, I, I think you're kind of just telling me about your feelings. Like you can describe them really well. Um, but mm-hmm. like, are, are you feeling them? Like, do you, can you identify where it is in your body? Like, what are you feeling? Yeah. Um, and I had a lot of trouble doing that. Um, and I was surprised because I, I thought that I felt my feelings because I could describe them um, yes. so well. Um, and so then we were talking about, okay, how do we come up with some strategies to get more into your body versus just your mind um, mm-hmm. with these big um, big feelings. And yeah, I discovered that um, it was easier for me to do that if I had something to occupy my hands mm. and engage um, in the real world, mm-hmm. I guess. So what you said is very important for listeners to hold on to. Um, because I think it's very common. I, I struggle with it too, Becca. Like I, I can talk like day in and day out about like, I'm feeling shitty. I am depressed. I'm sad. I'm happy, whatever all day long. Like that's, that's, I can do that because I've 
had those conversations with myself and friends and stuff for years. It really is another thing to really know how it feels in our bodies. And to describe it is hard. Like, I, 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 I still struggle with the describing piece of it in my body. Yeah. How is that? Like, how, like how would you... I guess, like, how, how do you connect that? Like, how do you, for you personally, let's say you're, you are feeling down, you are feeling sad, and you go and, you know, start baking something. Like, how are you then transitioning that from your brain to your, your body and your heart? Yeah, so for me, I think a lot of it is about removing distractions and mm. me that's often like screens my phone or the sure. tv or something like that and if i'm baking something i try to do is bake <laughs> you know be there with the process um mm. and it, it's hard for me i think it's hard for me to exist in the present moment a lot of times um and so by setting aside this time and this space um it helps me get into the mindset to be able to uh, slow down and check in with myself, mm. I would say. And I'm, I'm someone that um, I have chronic pain, um, migraines and some other stuff going on. And so I discovered through the therapy, I, the reason I went to therapy is because of this chronic pain um, and trying to figure out how do I manage this? How do I live like this? Um, Specifically and headaches or headaches plus other things? Migraines and then some like atypical facial pain is yeah. what it's called. So just my like half of my face would feel like lightning kind of. Uh, um, wow. And so what I've, what I understand that to be now um, is that my emotions were announcing themselves in my body um, mm. in a way that was pain. Um, mm -hmm. and so part of my process was figuring out how do I meet those feelings and those emotions, um, directly instead mm -hmm. of them showing up as this, this pain. And that's not to say that all chronic pain is about emotions. I also, I get Botox from migraines. I take medication and, you know, it's a holistic kind of thing, but for me, um, those feelings that I could intellectualize, but wasn't processing through my body. Um, they were having a mind of their own and then yeah. showing up as that pain. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Our yeah. bodies are, tr our, tr our bodies are tricky, magical little tricksters in, in that way. Yeah. Have you, uh, in therapy, have you had the opportunity, you know, while in the safety of like talking about this stuff, reflect on your childhood, for instance, and who you were as a kiddo? Yes. Um, so I grew up in a kind of intense environment. Um, my dad died right after I was born. I'm an, I'm a oldest child. Um, my dad died right after I was born. So mm. the context of me being a very small child was being surrounded by a lot of grief um, and sadness. Um, and I'm sorry. Thank you. Um, but I, I do think that 
set the tone um, for a lot of things. And um, part of my journey is uh, needing to be seen for who I am um, mm. instead of me within this context of grief and sadness and yes. merging into the world, into this um, not ideal um, place. Yeah. Yeah. So I. Wow. Yeah. I, Were I, you the I, only there. child from your. I was. Yes. And yeah. my, <laughs> my mom eventually um, had two more children, my brother and sister. Um, yeah. And they are, you know, wonderful. Um, they came a little bit later. Um, but, yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's a lot. Did yeah. you ever feel like, I'd imagine one might feel like maybe a burden. Yeah. And I, I, I do think that that's absolutely true with, you know, no one trying to do that no, um, of course but not. i think when you're in that context of um grief you're and you're the uh embodiment of this person that has um, a reminder died um yeah you become sort of a, a vessel um mm. for other people's uh feelings about what you should feel what you should be who you are um mm. and so it did take me yeah, a long time to sort of unravel that um, and see myself for who I feel um, that I am. Mm. Yeah. What type of kid were you? Like, were you? Yeah, I was a very stoic. Did you have something to prove? Okay, so child. That makes sense. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was told that I did not cry as a mm. young child. I was just stoic. Um, I mean, and that's not, you know, I no. but Becca, how could you, right? Like you were sure. the, you came into the world and you were grief embodied and mm -hmm. crying would remind your mother about your father or crying yes. would, you know, like, yes, I yes, mean, exactly. Yes. yes. It, it all, it makes sense. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say I didn't have, you know, an identity of my own. Like I, yeah. uh, I used to want to be an actress and that's what I thought I was going to be. Um, so I, I've always had, you know, like an internal light, internal sense of self, um, mm. but it was sort of uh, in competition um, with this other, uh, yeah, way of being seen um, in the world. So do you think your stoicism was kind of about protecting that light a little bit? Yeah, I think it I think it could be for sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And I I think that's part of why um it was hard for me to feel the feelings rather than intellectualize them. Yeah. Um, because you were surviving. To protect yourself. Protecting. Yeah. 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 You do what you can. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I relate to that <clears throat> deeply. Um my father was very my father's still around. I uh, don't have a relationship with him. Very violent uh, and very mm -hmm. scary. And and me so being, sorry. thank you, me being sensitive, you know, just kind of had to protect myself, right? I, I always call it my heart guard and, and same sort of thing, right? Like I learned to shut down very easily. I learned to kind of compartmentalize 
and show up in ways that weren't entirely who I was, right? And it led to a lot of s- struggle, like <laughs> once I was out of the house, right? Like how you mentioned unraveling, what, like, what did that unraveling look like for you? I didn't even know that I needed to do the unraveling. Mm. Um, I always thought of myself as someone that was very strong. Um, and I, you are. I, yes, thank you. I thought that <laughs> for a long time. Um, but when I got to the therapy, I knew I didn't go for this reason. I went to figure out how to live with pain. Um, yeah. I didn't even know it was possible for me to live without the pain. Um mm. So I did a lot of unraveling in the past three years, um, I would say. Um, And that felt really beautiful to me um, Mm. to sort of uh, unwrap the layers of protection that I had around myself to sort of reveal um, this softness um, that I really value. Um, Mm. And I'm really proud of that i would say i'm proud of it too it's it's uh i think it's often the work of of growing into who we are you know uh there's so much like we carry from childhood there's so much like dictated by the structures of our family and 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 what we what we know and it's our jobs to you know, unravel, to use your word, unravel that and and dismantle that and figure out who we are out of that context sometimes, especially if that context is keeping us from who we want to be. Right. And something that I still struggle with is that that unraveling and that change of yourself isn't inauthentic. Um, mm. is an authentic mm-hmm. expression of yourself. Um, it's okay to change how you feel about things. It's okay to change your vision of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's something I've been thinking about lately. Um, Me too. Yeah. Change, like, <laughs> I, I mentioned this on the show, but when I met Jessica and we met 15 years ago, just completely different person. Mm. And I've been thinking about how, like, I've gotten from my family, like, you've changed as some sort of, like, threat, right? As a, right. as a, as a, as some sort of um, criticism, right? right? Because toxic systems, toxic people want to keep us how we were, um, right. in, in a lot of ways, and I, I think there is there is there is a beauty in shedding that um, and and changing. We have to, like, we have right. to, right? And it's hard, and it's uncomfortable, and um, that's why some people struggle with it, right? Because yes. it's hard and it's uncomfortable, and it yeah. brings up our shit. Yes, yeah. You have to you have to meet it. And yes. It is uncomfortable. How long have you been with Reese, your husband? Uh, five and a half years. We got married like a year and a half ago. Um, and Reese is just this very kind, gentle person. Um, and 
the relationship has given me a lot of space to change and grow um, without amazing judgment of that um and like you know a willingness to adapt and um Mm -hmm. grow together and i'm really grateful for that space it's beautiful yeah yeah i ask because it's you know i know as jessica and i have changed like it's 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 we support each other right through it Mm -hmm. and it it's hard too Right. And it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's just a hard thing. So like for you, Becca, for the listeners, like as you, I'll just say it, we just need to change. Like we have to do it. Like it's, 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 we're ever changing as humans. And, and that's, that's a beautiful thing. And, and to allow that for ourselves and for others is a, is a kindness. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I think with, I feel like with Reese, like I, sort of chose the person and chose the relationship uh, for future me, um, for Mm. the me that had this opportunity for healing and um, growing. And I'm, yeah, I'm grateful to earlier me um, for being able to make that decision. Yeah. Um, Wow. That's really beautiful. Thank you. That's very uh, hopeful. Yeah. Self-honoring. So, you lose your job in 2020. Right. And is that when the sort of like, I'm going to start posting photos of my cakes online with stuff, with, with no, fun that stuff? Was, no, that's the later. The cakes happened before. Okay. Um, so, that's something I was doing on the side um, okay. for a couple years before then. Um, but I... I just couldn't figure out how to do that as like a, a path. Um, I thought it was just a side thing. Um, and in some ways it was easier when it was a side thing. Cause you don't have to figure out how to monetize things and fit into Ugh, the system. The worst. And, um, <laughs> all of that. But um, yeah, at that time I kind of was forced to bet on myself. Um, Cause you know, I, I applied for so many jobs. I didn't get mm. any of them. Um, and it was really hard um time and trying to figure out what do i even mm-hmm. do um yeah. and so then i yeah put my weight behind the sweet feminist and and that's my instagram account where i um put feminist messages defined broadly on baked goods mostly cakes sometimes pies uh sometimes cookies um and i think around that time i sort of uh honed down on what I wanted to do with that space. Um, and I started focusing on, um, uh, destigmatizing abortion, um, mm-hmm. and being really active in the pro-abortion space. Um, and that comes out of me having an abortion in college and, um, having n- only heard one person share their abortion story with me um mm. I, I never heard anybody else's abortion story um i you know lived in rural iowa and didn't feel comfortable telling anybody about it and had to drive an hour like to the clinic and it was it, it was hard um and i carried that around for a lot of years um without talking to anybody about it without um sharing it and through the sweet feminist i was able to start 
sharing that with people and people started sharing with me, um, mm. which was really beautiful for me. And now um, I use the space. I share recipes. I, I do a variety of things that, you know, don't necessarily seem like they fit together. Um, but part of the, what I do there is um, focusing on making sure that people don't feel alone. Um, people who have abortions and uh, changing how we talk about abortions. So people feel supported um, and safe regardless of, you know, legality and all of mm -hmm. the, you know, her horrendous stuff um, that's happening right now with that. Um, so, yeah. It's <laughs> wonderful. I mean, I, I, I think what's wonderful and, 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 beautiful about that is you had an experience, right? You had an abortion and felt that you couldn't talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. Because you hadn't heard anyone. You had one person, right? Who yep. you've talked to about it. I I, th I reflect on that. I'm like, I've maybe talked to one person about like, and, and, and as you know, statistically, many, many people yes. have abortions Yes. And so you have this experience, this very personal experience, and you talk about it, and that allows others in. That allows others to see themselves in you and feel, I mean, shame is born in darkness. It's like yep. born in secrets. It's, it thrives there. Right. Yes. Um, and shame is one of the feelings that I personally um historically struggled with the most still struggle with the most um mm. and so by just trying to trying to shine this light on myself and this experience um helps me with with that as well um and to hear people's experiences who are very different than mine you know there's mm -hmm. um many different experiences with having abortions and mine is one of those and i i love to talk to people about the whole, you know, the whole spectrum of experiences. It's so, it's important, right? It's, it's the same for like me having conversations with people about their mental health. Like we all, um, in whatever way experience something like I have major depressive disorder. I talk about that. You know, I talk to people who experience suicidal ideation or whatever, like it's all a spectrum and it needs to see the light right? Yes. It needs yes. to see the light so we can be seen, so we can feel seen and heal, yes. you know, all of it. Yeah. I, what I love about what you talk about on the Sweet Feminist page, one thing you sort of go back to again and again, which I think is so important, is like all of the varied reasons that people get abortions, have abortions. Mm -hmm. Can you like list some of those because I, I think it's like again like I am here yeah. to facilitate you and your passion and your voice and part of your voice and your platform is about destigmatizing these things because look I grew up Becca in evangelical Christianity okay. abortions to my parents and the world that I grew up in was I mean fucking sinners man they're yep. they're going straight to hell yes I we're killing babies yes. right we're killing babies like all of yep. this like 
language that's so like heightened. And that right? becomes the narrative in people's heads. Like even yes. if you didn't grow up in fundamentalist Christianity, you're still exposed to that language, even yes. in the mainstream, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. So if that's, you know, the voice that's in your head, that's really scary. Um, but it people, is. you know, have abortions for all kinds of reasons and all of them are valid. Um, and you don't need to know anybody's reason. Um, but there are so many reasons. And for me, like my reason was that I didn't want to be pregnant. Um, I found pregnancy unbearable, um, for my mental health. Um, I basically blacked out. I don't really remember, um, Mm. much from that time. Um, but I think people like to make a distinction between not every people, not everybody likes to do this. Some people like to make a distinction between real reasons to have abortions and, you know, not good reasons to have abortions. Um, and sometimes that is like, um, an arbitrary week into pregnancy Mm -hmm. or, um, that it's okay to have abortions if there's something, um, if there's a, something wrong with the fetus. Um, yeah. but that if you just want to have one, then that's selfish and, um, it's, it's not selfish. And yeah. even if you do think of it as selfish, that's fine. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, part of my work I think is breaking down that barrier between okay reasons and not okay reasons because there is no distinction there's no line yeah and i i even will say that like i wonder if me even asking the question about or what are these reasons i wonder if there's a piece of me that's like i mean obviously i'm I'm very pro-abortion sure and i wonder if there's this cultural thing where there there need no be there need not be a reason I right? think, like, yeah, I think right? sometimes it helps uh, humanize people if mm. they do hear various reasons. Yeah, um, that's like, true. Especially I guess. for um, abortions later in pregnancy, like there are so many reasons that that happens, and I think a lot of people don't know any of those reasons. Um, mm. And it could be, you know, trying to put together the money um, to get to the appointment. It could be not realizing that you're pregnant. Um, it could be trying to navigate a judicial bypass if you are, um, under the age of 18. So there, Mm -hmm. there are lots of reasons that I think people don't even think of. Um, so I, I think it's an okay question. Um, and I, I love to answer that question. Um, and then say, but you know, all of these reasons are, yes, are fine and good. And, um, Absolutely. We don't need to worry about it. So I know that like we are recording this in the month of October. Uh, this is out. This episode will be out in the month of October. <laughs> we are nearing election time. Like where, I mean, I know, but like for the listeners, like where are we nationwide at the federal level, at the state yeah. level with abortion access? So... of people in the U S believe that abortion should be legal. Um, but that is not reflected at all, um, in the legality. Mm. Um, and what's happening right now post row is that, um, it's confusing. Like laws are changing in different States. 
all the time. Like there are laws that are being reinstated from the 1800s, um, the ban abortions and people are confused. Like, can I get an abortion in this state? Where, where do I go? How do I Mm -hmm. find information? Um, So for anyone that does need information, a good resource is I need an abortion.com. And it's up to date information about how to access care um, in all 50 states and also abortion funds are great resources um, if you need help um, paying for the abortion as well. Um, But it's a mess right now. And, you know, Lindsey Graham uh, uh, last month proposed the, um, a federal ban on abortion, um, which is, has been the goal, you know, they've been working towards that goal, um, which is very scary, but we had seen like in my, my home state of Kansas, I'm, from Kansas, um, voters voted in August to protect abortion um, right. and, s- and say that it's a constitutional right. Um, and so people, I think people are going to show up. People are really um, fired up about this. And yeah. um, I believe in in that. But I also, regardless of legality, we have access to abortion pills. Um, and the question there is about criminalization. Um, we mm. know that abortion pills are safe and effective. Um, and that is different from pre-row. Um, post-row is different from pre-row. Um, and so it's time to disseminate information about abortion pills um, and then um, connect people with legal resources who are at risk for criminalization. Um in places, you know, like my my st- current state of Texas. Oh, Texas. Yes. Yeah. Gregory Abbott. Ugh. Oh, um, man. I have a sign in my front yard that says, fuck Greg Abbott. Um, love it. Love to see it. It's a beautiful sign. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's overwhelming. It is overwhelming. And I, I appreciate you sharing those resources because um, it's... It is confusing, right? Because there's there's states that are doing different things, and there's yeah, Lindsey Graham proposing things, and I, uh, you know, uh, this has been discussed uh, ad nauseum, but like at, at the root of a lot of this is is white supremacy, uh, Christian fundamentalism, right, and the fucking patriarchy, right? Right. It's a terrible mix of all of those things. So I'm a white cis feely boy. I I I live in a world where I don't like I can I can take a lot of risks, right? Yes. I can I can I can uh, And I I can as well. Yes, a, for sure. For sure. Yeah, there's well, there's yeah. there's a, a whole yeah. spectrum of intersectionality here. Yes. But with that, like in that world, right? Like we're talking about bodily autonomy like at, at on one level right and 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 the idea that a system of government can tell another person to do a thing like or not do a thing with their body their own bodies right it it feels dystopian to me yeah i mean it's it's awful it's truly awful but the thing is like 
you have a right to abortion regardless of what the government says. And there are so many people here that will help you access the abortion care that you need. Um, And that will always be true regardless of, you know, what Lindsey Graham says. Voldemort. Um, Do you, do you ever internalize that? Like, cause there's, you know, I, I, I think I, I've, I mentioned on this show, I, I, I've got a leg up because like I grew up with my dad. And so I've been very skeptical of men. They have to work a lot harder to earn my trust. Sure. <laughs> Do you ever feel like you're internalizing the sort of the oppressive systemic patriarchy that exists around us? Do you, I mean that? Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. we, I think we all do we all live under that cloud the dark we do the dark cloud um but what i have tried to do is just look elsewhere um and mm. listen to other people instead like people um in the pro-abortion movement and i i put my energy towards uh listening to them and figuring out how do we operate within this um because there were so many people and organizations, you know, that were preparing for this moment um, yeah. and people that were building uh, systems to push back on, you know, the the greater system. And so mm-hmm. that's sort of where I try to put my focus. It's important. Yeah, I, I think I read a story or listened to a story about, I, I don't forget their name, but they were working on, they're a doctor working on sort of abortion access via like a boat. Yeah, I, I heard about that too. I did. I do think that that is dubious. I have heard that they are not affiliated with any uh, interesting uh, people that are active in this movement. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know about the credibility of that yes. is what I would say. I would say there's lots of creative ideas, um, but I would say to people, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like you should just plug in um, with people who are already there um, yeah. and take directions. Yeah. Um, but I do, I do appreciate everybody's creativity um, and figuring out how to survive <laughs> um, in, in this context. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like, because I mean, uh, the Roe the row situation has been, you know, uh, a talking point for many years. Do you feel like we are, like culture, are we are as a whole making progress, or do you feel you ever feel like with this point in particular, like what the fuck are we doing? I do. I believe in the progress, and I've seen that just in the language shift that people are using instead mm. of saying. I'm pro-choice, more people are saying I'm pro-abortion. Like, yeah. I, I think it is changing, and I think that's not reflected in our governments, but on a people level, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that we are moving forward, yes. I I, I agree, and I, I also, another piece of this puzzle that has been at least more talked about uh, is the sort of the 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 fact that these laws sort of impact poor communities, black people, brown people, marginalized communities yep. in, in more severe ways. Absolutely. And that's, on, that's people, people are talking about that, which is 
which is essential. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, yes. The, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the short answer yes. to that is yes, yes I agree yes. completely. <laughs> so how, I mean, you may, so how, how does, um, how is Reese's, like, is he sort of an activist heart hearted person? Yeah. Well, yes, I, <laughs> I really appreciate Reese because, um, I have, I ordered some stickers from I need an abortion.com where you can, uh-huh. it has the website and says, you know, if you need yeah, yeah. help accessing abortion care. Um, and he was like, can you give me some of those so I can take them onto campus and, and put them there. And I, Amazing. I appreciate him asking that. Um, yeah. and I appreciate him listening to me and you know actively trying to learn about these issues and talk to people about them um yes i would say that he he tries with that for sure because it it is such a like i so i i look jessica will sometimes get uncomfortable with like some of the shirts i wear like i'll wear a shirt that says like defund the police for example Mm -hmm. right and 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 some of this language is intentionally designed to um not maybe intentionally but it can be combative right like people sure. like see that and be like they're they're building up their armor right like right yeah. away yeah. right yeah so i'd imagine like you being so vocal about being pro abortion you've uh-huh. gotten a lot yeah. of that type of yeah. Pushback. I have a shirt from Shout Your Abortion um, that says I will aid in a bet abortion, and I wear it around Texas. And I know it pisses some people off, but I have had a lot of people come up to me and be like, "I love your shirt," um, and I am wearing it for those people. I, mm. you know, I'm not concerned about pissing people off. You're not it. out there and to I convince just, anyone. Necessarily. No, I'm, yeah. I don't see my role as trying to convince the people that are not going to be convinced. My role is to support people who have abortions, um, mm. which is a, a lot of people. And I am talking to them. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to give people the tools. If you want to talk to your anti-abortion family, um, you know, here's some talking points for doing that. Um, but I don't see it as my role to convince people. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's, that's well said. Cause it is like, like, like I mentioned to you, it's, this stuff is rooted in a lot of deep stuff that's been around for a while. Um, I'm certainly not going to convince my mother that abortion, you know, should be accessible um, because she will never believe it. Right. So let's just make abortion accessible regardless. And yeah. Um, no impact to her yeah 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 um so baking by feel Mm -hmm. first of all love the name like great title did you you come up with the title i did yes Uh uh-huh this book was like a light bulb idea for me i knew i wanted to write a cookbook that's always been one of my dreams um and i went through several ideas but then one day i was like okay i'm doing all this work around feelings um how can i make that accessible to other people (laughs) i Mm -hmm. guess how do i uh create a method (laughs) that i've been using um and that's sort of where baking by feel 
came from me trying to combine two separate interests of mine um, that might not uh, at first glance fit that well together, but I, I try to make an argument. <laughs> Feeling and baking. It. Yes. Yeah. So how, tell me a little bit about how the, and for the listeners, how the book is structured and how you facilitate that for them. Sure. So the book is structured in five chapters um, and it's these big bucket categories of emotions. Um, so Robert Plutchik created this emotions wheel um, mm-hmm. and I created a version of that for the purposes of this book um, nice. just because there were way too many emotions in Robert Plutchik's wheel. So and I <laughs> categorized it basically how it works in my head. Um, mm-hmm. So there are five chapters. They are happy, sad, mad, anxious, and hopeful. And within mm. those chapters, there are uh, feelings that fit into those categories and then a recipe pairing um, for each of those feelings. And the pairings are not, it's not just like flavor based. Um, sometimes it is like a flavor pairing, like, you know, lemon invokes this brightness and that's a happy flavor to me. So that's why that's categorized that way. But it's also about uh, the process of the recipe. Mm-hmm. So like, um if you are feeling furious, we're going to smash graham crackers into crumbs. We're going to like mm, use our yes. body to do something. Um, I love that. And so you can use the book as a regular cookbook. If you just want to make recipes, that's fine. Um, but if you're going to use it in the baking by feel way, Um, You would look at this emotion wheel that I have at the front of the book and you would spend a few minutes identifying what comes up for you that day. And it could be one thing, it could be a mix of things. um, And then you turn to the page with that emotion and bake that recipe. Mm. Um, Yeah. And I, I have next to the recipe, I have little blurbs about that feeling. And sometimes it's like journal prompts and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's, I want you to write a postcard to your friend and um, little things like that. Um, That's really cool. Yeah. So that's how it works. I love that. And what do you like, if you were to like describe the transformation of someone who is using your baking by feel cookbook to bake something through you know, and also feel something like what is, what is the transformation you want? Yeah. So the book is emotionally agnostic is what I describe Mm. it as. I don't categorize feelings as good or bad. They are feelings and they are human. Um, And you, Mm -hmm. you don't need to police yourself um, about what you're feeling, but um, well, goal. men need to police women when they're feeling angry. Yes, of That's course. That's true. Except for that. <laughs> Except for that. <laughs> um, and so you would take this space when you're making this recipe to engage with that feeling instead mm. of trying to push it away. Like the goal is not to manage the feeling. The goal is not to necessarily get through the feeling. The goal is to to be with the feeling um, while you're doing this process of making something Hmm. and what's a like what is a pairing example do you have one on on the top of your head i do so one one example is i have this coffee glazed cinnamon roll recipe and it's paired with board 
Um, and yeah. it's paired with board because it's a really long recipe and you have to do a lot of different things uh-huh. and it um, is engaging with that boredom rather than zoning out doing something else. Yeah. Um, it's giving you, here's this three hours where we're going to make this thing. Um, so that's, that's an example. Another example is, um, black pepper snowballs, you know, the snowball cookies that you eat at holiday times nuts and rolled in powdered sugar. Um, and the pairing with that is because you are manipulating the dough with your hands. It doesn't require a mixer. Like you're just mixing it all with your hands and then you're rolling them in powdered sugar. And I describe like you're envisioning your fury as sort of flying around you with this powdered sugar. It gives you a, a visual for something that's um, being experienced internally. Mm. It's really inventive. Like I don't, I've never heard of a, certainly a cookbook like this. Yeah. I, I, I think so too. I'm, I haven't seen anything like it. Um, there are lots of books about feelings. There are lots of cookbooks yep. and I'm sure there are ones that combine it in some way. Um, but yeah. And then visually um, the photographs in the book um, also reflect the emotion. Mm. Um, so each chapter has different lightings and um, mm-hmm. I'll show you an example. Well, I I should be. um, I think your book person is sending me a copy. I'm very excited. Oh, you don't have it yet. I don't have it yet. I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. It's not not your fault. Yeah. Okay. So like these lime zest meltaways, the image, there's one cookie by itself. And then there's a grouping of the other cookies. And these all have lime zest and the one by itself doesn't. And this is the rejected um, emotion. Uh, So the photographer and food stylist um, and I try to reflect it visually as well yeah i love that i can't wait yeah i'm I'm excited for you to see it i'm sorry you don't have it already don't be sorry uh how how does it feel to have put such a a thing together like it's it's a it's quite i I will say from my perspective what you're describing is quite an achievement how does it feel for you I had trouble feeling that, which Mm. is, you know, ironic. When the books came, um, I didn't feel connected to it immediately. Um, I had trouble experiencing that feeling of accomplishment. Mm. Um, And I worked, I'm in the process of working through that um, by thinking about my younger selves. Um, I'm like, I wrote this kind of like journal entry about the various forms of my younger selves and how psyched they would be about this for different reasons. Yeah. Um, I'm very into the inner child um, work. And so that sort of is what helped me be able to feel (laughs) this achievement. It's like, Oh, remember when you were eight and you were convinced that you were going to be an author. Um, Mm. So uh, yeah, I, I've tried to access that through other versions of me. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. I, earlier this year, I, I made and I had a friend design a little inner child journal. It's called Dear Childhood Me. Oh. And it, it, it's similarly, right? It's, it was like, 
me journaling for a couple of years about me writing essentially just little notes to my past mm-hmm. versions of myself, all yeah. the past versions who felt scared, all the past versions who felt alone, all the past versions who felt like my sensitivity was a burden, mm. you know, uh, all of that. And uh, I'll have to send you one. I love I'll, that. I'll yeah, I, I need to. Need I'll to send you one. For um, sure. Yeah. Cause that, that, that stuff is, we are that person. You are yes. little Becca, you know, yes. you are like all, all of all the versions of you are in you. Yes. Um, and it's so amazing when you can access that. Um, and yeah. my, my therapist had me do this wonderful exercise with that, where she asked me to choose a photo of me from my childhood, where I felt like me, where I could see myself in there and I printed it out I keep it on my fridge um and it's this photo of me I'm like I don't know six or seven and I'm on a front porch and there's all these plants around me I'm wearing these pink overalls and I'm just like in my zone of like in the nature and Mm. smiling and it just feels like me um Mm. and so that's what I come back to when I want to uh connect with yeah. with the previous version. I think that's deeply profound, right? Cuz like there's so many levels to it, but one level is when you were that person, right? You may have not connected to that person. Right. Exactly. And love and love that person in the way that they needed to be loved. Yes. Yes. And the power of looking back and 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 giving ourselves the the grace to look back and the love is in like, "Hey, I got you." Yes. And that's like a really like that just like fills me up completely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. When I see the the picture I'm like you're amazing. Like I <laughs> I see it. Yeah. Um and I have I so much that. affection for her slash me. Mm. Yeah. That's really special. So the book comes out October 25th. October 25th. So 2 weeks from yesterday. 2 weeks from yesterday. Recording. <laughs> yes, it's the time of recording. Um, I believe this episode is out. If you're listening to this, listeners, on the day that is out, it's Halloween. Oh, the Halloween episode. The Halloween episode. Um, so the book is out. Yeah. Go, go, pick it up. If like, if <laughs> anything resonated with you about Becca's story and and this book, it certainly uh, does for me. Like, please order it. Like, we need. Uh, we need to support authors. Uh, Thank you. As you I can see that. from my background here, Becca, I like, can see. Just love you books. You live your values. Books, <laughs> books are portals to empathy and feeling. And I, I, I just, as a writer myself and as someone who has wanted to publish things and has never, has gotten close and has never mm-hmm. like made that happen yet. Uh-huh. Yet. Yep. I know how hard it is and how how much heart and hustle and sweat and blood and tears like goes into such a thing and and uh my many hats off to you becca because like it's a beautiful gift you're giving you know obviously you make this thing and you want people to see it and connect to it and i believe they will i appreciate that thank you very much yeah of course (laughs) welcome so 
Let's talk about empathy heroes. We always kind of wrap up the show talking about people in our lives or characters from stories or movies uh, who are empathetic, compassionate, feely people we love and cherish. I will go first and just say, listeners, it's the end of October. Vote. Anyone who votes is an empathy hero to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Vote for Raphael Warnock in Georgia. Vote for Beto in Texas. Vote, 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 vote. I believe voting is an act of empathy um, because it's it's expressing your care to do the work of understanding your choices and understanding, too, that you play a role in this collective because you do, whether you are willing to admit it or not. So please vote. Anyone who votes is my empathy hero. Love it. Uh, Yeah. Those are my empathy heroes. How about you? Okay. I think my empathy hero is a character from a movie. The movie Shakala. I don't know if you've seen it. I have. It's um, been a while, but I that's the one with a, Johnny Depp. Yeah, it's Johnny Depp and I think Juliette Binoche. Is that's the, right. Yep. The main character. And I chose her, Juliet's character, um, because she shows so much empathy through food um and she mm-hmm. i don't know if you've seen the movie but if you haven't you should watch it but if you have seen it you'll remember that she comes to this small town in france and she sort of starts solving people's problems um mm-hmm. through talking to them and feeding them chocolates um and i i think it's just a really beautiful thing she nourishes them emotionally and literally with sweets um and so i i would say i love her and that's what i would say that's a that's a fabulous one i i love that i love that uh, and it it i i think i saw that movie when it came out uh hasn't haven't seen it since i've seen it many times i would recommend it I've yeah i like i love juliet binoche she's great one um of my comfort movies the other movie that, as you were describing it, it like popped into my head. I'm like, oh, that's a very empathetic sort of cooking movie, Big Night. Oh, I haven't seen that. You haven't seen Big Night? No. So I think Stanley Tucci oh, I love wrote or directed it, maybe yeah. both. So Stanley okay. Tucci and the dad from The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Mm. Oh, I love him. Tony Shalhoub. Uh-huh. So it's those two and their brothers, and they're oh from God. Italy, and they come to... Uh, New York and they try uh-huh. to start a restaurant hmm. and they have this one it's all based around this one night where they're trying to kind of like one last hurrah let's hmm. bring people together around food and our love of food and it's very it's very special okay well yeah. I have to watch that yeah this it's great for today <laughs> <laughs> it's great uh well um Becca where where can the listeners connect with you where can they order baking by feel all of that stuff yeah so you can connect with me um on instagram at the sweet feminist um i also have a website www.thesweetfeminist.com um and you can order the book wherever books are sold um bookshop.org um the harper collins website has a whole list um and your local bookstore yes Yes, double double votes for your local bookstore and and bookshop.org, uh, especially if you don't have a local shop. Um, yes. I love that. Well, listeners, all of those links will be in the show notes at feelyhuman.co. Becca, thank you for 
being a part of this. Thank you for yeah. sharing your story. Thank you for putting your heart into such a special cookbook. Uh, thank you. Yeah, this was wonderful. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I, I love this podcast. Um, and yeah, I'm just grateful to be mm. here. Thank you. And to you listeners, as I always say, I'm here, you're here. We're here together on this wayward, overwhelming, awe-inspiring, pale blue dot. We have each other. It's Yumi Empathy. Empathy.